98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. The headlines. Carrie Lam says Beijing wants Hong Kong to do more to clamp down on national security threats. The Privacy Commissioner warns websites could be taken down if they refuse to remove any doxing content and reports suggest financial sanctions are about to be slapped on seven officials from Beijing's liaison office in Hong Kong. Chief Executive Carrie Lam says her administration will be doing more to fully implement the national security law to meet the expectations of Beijing. Vicky Wong reports. The CE says the central government expects her administration to shoulder a great responsibility in defending national security. She spoke to reporters after listening to a speech by the head of Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office, Xia Baolong. In a relay from the capital, the official had shared his views on the year-old legislation and how it should be implemented here. Mr Xia was quoted as saying that he particularly wants the SAR government to do a good job in gatekeeping so that only patriots are allowed to run in a series of upcoming elections. Mrs Lam also said Beijing hopes that her government can successfully bring people who have committed national security offences to justice, while stepping up supervision on schools, social organisations, along with traditional and social media to prevent threats to national security. The Privacy Commissioner says it would be a rare and last resort to block an entire website if the company behind it refuses to remove content illegally sharing someone's personal data. Ada Chung was commenting on a proposed anti-doxing law to be tabled to LegCo for scrutiny next week. Timmy Sung has details. Under the proposed legislation, people who refuse to remove such content could be fined $50,000 and sentenced up to two years in jail. But the head of the privacy watchdog said local staff of online platforms wouldn't be held responsible if they had nothing to do with the operation of the sites. A data scientist, Wong Ho Wa, expressed concern about the free flow of information, saying personal data wasn't clearly defined in the legislation, so companies might remove any content when they are served with a notice to avoid trouble. Prisoners' rights group Wallfare has urged the Ombudsman to make changes to prison visits by justices of the peace so inmates can speak more freely. Founder of the group, Shu Ka-chun, made the appeal on an RTHK programme after the Ombudsman said it would look into the arrangements for statutory prison visits. The government last reviewed the system 22 years ago. Mr Shu said under the current system, prison staff can be present when inmates file their complaints to the JPs. He said this was unnecessary and made it hard for them to speak freely. He said prison staff could also prevent inmates from meeting the JPs. President Biden says the situation in Hong Kong is deteriorating and Beijing isn't keeping its commitments with regards to the territory. He was speaking at a news conference ahead of US sanctions expected today against Chinese officials. Vicky Wong reports. Reuters news agency is reporting that two sources say financial sanctions could target seven officials from Beijing's liaison office in Hong Kong over the crackdown on opposition figures here. A separate updated business advisory issued by the U.S. State Department would highlight America's concerns about the impact on international companies of Hong Kong's national security law. The U.S. Deputy Secretary of State, Wendy Sherman, is preparing a visit to Japan, South Korea and Mongolia next week. No mention was made of China, which had been anticipated in foreign policy circles. President Biden was asked about the advisory at a press conference. The situation in Hong Kong is deteriorating. And the Chinese uh, government uh, is not keeping its commitment that it made how it would deal with, with Hong Kong. 
And so it is more of an advisory as to what may happen in on Hong Kong. It's as simple as that and as complicated as that. The government has announced that 214 district councillors have resigned this month. There's been a mass ex- exodus of district councillors amid rumours the government will seek financial compensation from councillors who would be disqualified under new oath-taking laws. In central and western districts, seven councillors have quit already this month, leaving only three still in office. Around 30 people were evacuated after a fire broke out at three tin-sheeted huts at Sha Chun in Yunlong. No casualties have been reported. The fire broke out at 4.40am and was largely put out almost two hours later. Firemen used three jets and three firefighting teams to fight the blaze. China has launched an emissions trading system that caps pollution for big power businesses for the first time and allows firms to buy the right to pollute from other companies with a lower carbon footprint. Xinhua News Agency said trading began at 9.30 this morning at the Shanghai Environment and Energy Exchange. Citigroup estimates 800 million US dollars worth of credits will be bought for this year. That would make China's trading scheme about a third the size of Europe's market, which is the biggest in the world. Analysts say it's not a quick climate fix and could take years before the world's biggest polluters change course. President Biden has been meeting the German Chancellor Angela Merkel, who's making her farewell visit to Washington after nearly 16 years in office. Mr Biden said he'd expressed his concerns to Mrs Merkel over Russia's Nord Stream 2 natural gas pipeline, which will take Russian gas directly to Germany via the Baltic Sea. He also said the US and Germany would be united in defending NATO's eastern nations. We stand together and we'll continue to stand together to defend our eastern flank allies at NATO against Russian aggression. While I reiterated my concerns about Nord Stream 2, Senator Merkel and I are absolutely united in our conviction that Russia must not be allowed to use energy as a weapon to coerce or threaten its neighbors. Meanwhile, Chancellor Merkel says she's shocked by the humanitarian disaster in western Germany, where the worst floods in decades have claimed nearly 60 lives. Mrs Merkel warned the full extent of the disaster wouldn't be known for a few days. Peaceful towns are living through a catastrophe. You could say a tragedy. I'm deeply shocked by the reports I'm getting from towns which are totally submerged, where people in dire need have fled onto the roofs of their houses to save themselves. I'm grieving for those who lost their lives in this disaster. Members of Parliament in Britain have urged the government to push at the United Nations for an international arms embargo on Myanmar's military rulers. The Foreign Affairs Committee said London's response to the crisis was a key test of its new diplomatic focus on Asia. Here's the BBC's Caroline Hawley. Since the military coup in February, hundreds of civilians in Myanmar have been killed in protests and thousands more have disappeared. In response, Britain has imposed sanctions on a number of senior generals and some companies linked to the military. But the Foreign Affairs Committee says it could and should do a lot more. The MPs want the UK to draft an international arms embargo at the UN and they want a concerted effort to cut off not only the supply of weapons to the military but also its income. They say sanctions should be imposed at a much faster pace. A radar specialist in Western Canada says former pupils of a now-closed residential school for Indigenous children recall being woken in the night to dig graves in a nearby orchard. 
Sarah Beaulieu was speaking on the release of her report on unmarked graves at the Kamloops School, which was run by the Roman Catholic Church until 1969. She said the site probably contained 200 unmarked graves, but a far bigger area had yet to be surveyed. Senior Afghan leaders are due to fly to Doha to meet Taliban representatives in an effort to speed up peace talks. Clashes between Afghan troops and the Taliban have intensified since US forces began to withdraw from the country. More details from the BBC's Lee Doucette. There have been negotiations on and off since last September, but there's been little progress. This high-level delegation from Kabul, which includes political leaders like former President Hamid Karzai, will try to narrow the gaps. But on all the issues, from a new political structure to an Islamic constitution, the two sides are still far apart. The Taliban, emboldened by their recent rapid gains on the ground, are certain to harden their demands. When I asked the delegation's head, Dr Abdullah Abdullah, whether Taliban proposals amounted to a call to surrender, he would only reply, that couldn't happen. Colombia's president says some of the Colombian suspects in the assassination of his Haitian counterpart, Jovenel Moise, had detailed knowledge of the plan to kill the leader. Mr Moise was shot dead last week and his wife seriously wounded. Ivan Duque told local media that some among the group of Colombians believed they'd been going on a protection mission. The Director-General of the World Trade Organization says ministerial talks on fishing have been successful and she's optimistic a long-awaited deal to stop overfishing can be agreed. Ngozi Okonjo-Iweala said there was now the political will to reach a deal to remove fishing subsidies. For the first time in 20 years, we have a text that has been agreed and blessed by all the ministers and heads of delegations of the 128 members we have today. Um, virtually all our members were represented, if you count the groups. We couldn't have wished for a better outcome. Two Scottish charities have criticised Google for suggesting what they say is a dangerous and potentially fatal walking route up Ben Nevis, Scotland's and Britain's highest mountain. The charity said some Google Maps searches directed users to the summit through steep, rocky and pathless terrain, which in rain might be lethal. To finance news, a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 28,140. That's 137 points up on the previous close. Turnover stands at $75 billion. To currencies, the US dollar is trading at 109.99 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 18 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 74 cents. Sports now, we start with golf. Former champion Louis Oosthuizen is taking a one-shot lead into round two of the Open Golf Championship at Royal St George's. The 2010 winner set the early pace with an opening round of six under 64. He described it as a perfect round. That was pretty, pretty good. Um, I would have taken one, two under today. It was quite windy, and um, but drove it well, um, you know, and... Flighted it really good today um, in the windy conditions and there was a lot of holes where I had really good numbers for the shot I wanted to hit so everything sort of came together and and made some good putts and um, it's just one of those where I think if you look back you can't really say I could have you know scored better. Oosthuizen is a shot clear of the 2017 champion Jordan Spieth and Brian Harmon. Stuart Sink and Webb Simpson are among a group are amongst a group on four under. World number four Colin Morikawa is amongst a group on three under par and was happy with his round in his first Open Championship. 
Yeah, no, it was a very solid round. Um, happy to finish at three under. You know, definitely the, the first part of the round tested my game and tested me mentally just to stay in it. Um, but I knew, you know, I had a lot of holes out there. If I started hitting fairways, giving myself chances, we'd hopefully roll in a few. Um, so, you know, overall, uh, it was a very good start to my first open. I think if you psych yourself out with this wind, um, it's going to make it that much harder to go in. Um, seeing low scores earlier this morning, you know, kind of put it mentally that I can go out and make some birdies, but I know it's going to still play tough. Um, so out here, you just have to stay focused. And, you know, five hours out here on the golf course is, is, a, is a grueling test. You know, it, it tests you mentally. Um, physically, you know, it's a walk, but mentally you're, you're going to be drained and we have to find a way to refresh for the next three. Joining Morikawa on 367 are the best-placed English players. They include Justin Rose and Tommy Fleetwood. In tennis, Novak Djokovic is going to the Tokyo Olympics to keep alive his chance of a so-called golden slam. The BBC's Joe Parsons reports. The world number one, Novak Djokovic, has said that he will be taking part in the tennis competition at the Olympic Games in Tokyo, paving the way for the first golden slam by a male player. Djokovic has already won this year's Australian Open, French Open and Wimbledon titles and needs just Olympic gold and the US Open to become the first man to sweep the Golden Grand Slam. His announcement comes just four days after he said it was 50-50 whether he would go to Tokyo following his victory over Matteo Berrettini at Wimbledon that earned him a 20th career Grand Slam title. In Formula One, the boss of the Red Bull team, Christian Horner, has played down suggestions from the seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton that Max Verstappen could run away with the title this year. Verstappen drives his Red Bull into this week's British Grand Prix with a 32-point lead over Hamilton. Lewis loves a bit of kidology, you know. He's, he's always trying to move the spotlight away from himself, which is part of the gamesmanship of, of any sport. And uh, it's such a long season, and with... 29 points available this weekend. A 32-point lead can vanish. In cycling, defending champion Tade Pogacar has won the final mountain stage of this year's Tour de France in the Pyrenees, retaining his yellow jersey. The Slovenian rider now has an overall lead of 5 minutes 45 seconds, with three stages remaining. The BBC's Matt Warwick reports. It's hard to know whose show of strength was more impressive on stage 18. Could it be President Macron's appearance at the summit finish after police raided the hotel of Team Bahrain victorious over doping allegations? Or Pogacar's jaw-dropping acceleration on the final climb, which ended his rival's last chance to claw back their deficit? The 22-year-old is favourite to win the remaining time trial, meaning only unlikely crashes or crosswinds can stop him. Stage 19 focuses on Britain's Mark Cavendish and his aims to make history with a 35th win on the flat sprint to Libourne. But right now, President Pogaccia is above it all. To the weather forecast, it'll be mainly cloudy with a few showers and isolated thunderstorms. Sunny intervals this afternoon with light to moderate easterly winds. Currently 30 degrees Celsius, humidity at 71% and please be advised the thunderstorm warning is in force. News and weather, RTHK.
And welcome to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Friday afternoon. Many thanks once again to Phil for the morning brew. 
Today, let's kickstart the show with a bit of sports as we look ahead at the Tokyo Olympics. This week on the Olympic special on the 123 show, Sissy Rafford talks to Oscar Coggins and also coach Andrew Wright about Oscar's prospects in representing Hong Kong in triathlon in this summer's Olympic Games. That will be in about 10 minutes or so. And after the after that, at 1.45, as students now enjoy the summer holidays, we thought it's also a great time for us to look at the mental well-being of students. Our intern Samuel Lee talks to students as well as 